Everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike and Shop Performance Endurance Podcast. My name is Brendan Hausler. I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. You may have seen us on YouTube or we run a daily podcast. I'm a three-time Masters National Champion, but still kicking it in the P1 races. And I will actually be racing next year with this guy. And I am super excited to be with Owen Schott. Owen, what's up, man? Tell the people who you are, and we'll get this podcast rolling. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm Owen Schott, um, a Jacksonville, Florida native at this point. Um, also a three-time national champion, like Brendan. So I think this we're going to call this podcast, you know, the the podcast of champions or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, super super pumped. Um, I uh, started my own coaching business back in. I believe 2011 now, uh, shot performance coaching. I work with any type of endurance athlete. You know, I've got everything from people doing the uh, obstacle course events and 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 uh, triathlon runners, and that's where I kind of started. Was a runner, and then worked my way into cycling, and it, I love it. You know, it really is like, oh man, I'm kind of good at this, so I better keep going. That actually pairs really well with the topic of endurance and aerobic performance. You're just an aerobic beast. So you find your way through all these different sports and you runners that come over to cycling. It's uh, just super strong. It's if you've got that big engine running on the road, there's some good translation for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, and so that I guess when I reached out to you, that was kind of the the thing was like, you know, for me, I think it's such a endurance is such a, you know, like, what is the word? What does it cover? You know, like the language is so different. And, you know, I deal with three different sports. And so, you know, it's like really like the vocabulary is different when you say endurance, you know, to a runner or to a triathlete and then vice versa to a cyclist. And so, you know, I was like, man, I really want to talk about this and, and kind of explain how important for me, I, I, I want to be like, how important is this? Is it, am I just throwing this out here and going, man, I'm, I'm overemphasizing how important like endurance aerobic side of this is, or, you know, so I was like, well, I think, you know, let me, let me talk to another national champion that does work with other athletes and, and get his intake on it and, and see what your thoughts are. Well, it's actually very interesting that you asked that question because for me, endurance is, the only reason I'm here. It's the only reason I'm still relevant going on the age of 40. You are over 40 and still smashing. And at the same time, the number one workout that is mailed in by athletes is the endurance ride. They see two hours of a pretty steady power band and eh, I don't have to do that one or eh, I'm going to turn it up on that one. It gets the least respect and it really only gets respect when it's longer, when an athlete knows, okay, four hours, five hours, that's going to be difficult. But just the, that goes along with the mindset then of, well, if I only do two hours endurance, I'm not really that tired. And you don't have to come home smash from every workout. You don't want to come right. home smash for every workout. So to answer your question right off the bat, endurance is the most important. It's a thing I work on all year round. It never changes and just crossed 150,000 miles that I've logged. There's definitely another 
seven to 10 out there that just never got on the computer that I didn't have a power meter then I didn't have, I, you know, I think we all started back in the day. I had a cat eye and like a <laughs> pen and paper. and was like, ah, I rode 22 uh, miles today, my long ride. So that, yeah, it's huge, humongous. Cool. Cool. And that's, yeah, I guess I just wanted to, what do you think? Yeah, what do you myself. Think, yeah. What do you think coming from how is endurance looked at from were you runner first or triathlete first? Runner. So how is it looked in the running and triathlon community? And I'm and I think part two of that question would be how do triathletes think about it since they're thinking about it in three different ways, running, swimming, and cycling. Yeah, that's that's super tricky. Like triathletes are, are oh man, it's it, they're it's very complicated because you, you have so many moving pieces, and uh, that could be a whole different podcast, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like the more when I became a cyclist and I really like started working with coaches like like yourself and and some of the other coaches I've had, um, I feel like I learned more as a, a runner running coach, you know, like it really helped me, mm-hmm. I think, make my runners better, you know, because, you know, like it's easy to go out and ride and keep your heart rate, you know, at 65% of, of max or, or, you know, 130 beats. And if like, I told a runner to go out and, Hey, I want you to stay at 130 beats. They're like, oh, I'm walking, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm walking, you know, most, you know, half of them are, you know, and, but it, it's, it's really interesting to see what happens when you do it. And then all of a sudden their, their pace would improve. Right. But they're still at 130 beats. Right. You know, and it's the, you know, their first two weeks, they're like, you know, they're moving around at like 11, 10 minute pace. And, and now I've got some athletes that, you know, they can go out and run eight minute miles and they're, you know, they're at 130 beats a minute and it's like, all right now, yeah, you know, and all of a sudden when they run six minute pace, it's not that bad, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, their heart rate's not through the ceiling or the sub threshold or whatever, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think, I think it's helped me. I think becoming working with more cyclists has helped me as, as a running coach, because again, this could be a whole nother podcast, but like for runners, everything is like the the matrix of a mile. Mm -hmm. Right. And they want to know, you know, everything's measured on how many miles did you run this week? Um, how fast, you know, per mile, what what you're doing. And, and that's like, well, if I take a, you know, somebody that's getting into it and somebody that's been in it, you know, like a, you can't give them the same workout. You can't go out and, you know, they want to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to go out and do mile repeats. Well, that'd be like me telling you to go out and do, you know, mile repeats. It would make no sense to you as a Mm -hmm. cyclist, Mm -hmm. but for a runner, that's how they measure it, you know, but I could have runners doing eight minute miles and I could have runners doing four thirties. As we know, like that's two different systems, right? right. If, if you're going all out at eight minutes or all out at four minutes, like you're really not touching the same thing as, as that much. So yeah, it's been pretty cool because now like I'll give my, I'll give some of my runners, I'm like, yeah, I want you to go do four by four minutes. And they're like, like what? And I'm just like all out as hard as you can four <laughs> by four minutes. Where did that come from? Like that, that came from, you know, the cycling world, you know, like, mm-hmm. they, so, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of neat, you know, from a standpoint. Definitely. What, so you had some questions that you were thinking of 
And I know a couple that always get asked about from my standpoint. Um, let's start with yours and see where they go. Well, yeah, I think I think the first thing you know I really wanted to touch on is is what is some um, endurance training or what is aerobic training? You know what's going on. You know, I mean, this is this is kind of the basics, but I think a lot of people, you know, maybe don't get it like and, and they're you know like i have a lot of athletes man they just they want to keep pushing the ceiling up they want to keep pushing the ceiling up and maybe they don't understand what is actually happening why we're doing all this aerobic work you know and so i kind of you know sat back and said okay you know what is like the the cliff notes of it right we don't want to go super geeky into the science but mm-hmm. you know in a nutshell right like we're we're working on like those type one muscle fibers, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and creating a, a larger pump. And, and so there's a lot of different ways to go at it. You know, the way I kind of talk to people about it is it's like, it's like building, you know, like building these highways and you got these dump trucks that, that can carry so much. And then they go to like these factories and they have to load and unload like really fast. Right. And so, I think that's like almost endurance training in a whole is like, what is our body doing? Right. You know, like what is actually happening? And so I, I kind of like come at it from that direction and go, okay, yeah. You know, like, well, I want you to slow down because, you know, I want to, I want to create these better highways for you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I want to create these larger pumps, you know, so. That's, I, I think you're hitting it on the head big time of, the, when I so I started riding and training in 2009, and I think until cycling podcasts came out, all I knew was it was just like you're saying, it was endurance. I didn't really know what that meant. I knew what it was. I knew okay, by definition, it's exactly 55 to 75 percent FTP. Uh, hey, maybe go easier if you're feeling a little tired. What's really happening? You know, I was a fast cat athlete with Jason Hillmeyer. And so they had created a chart that I don't totally agree with. Um, it was in, if you really look into it, some of the stuff, it seems a little based around sweet spot training. And maybe it's just because it's an older chart, but they did outline some things. And I think there's six really big points that we could touch on without in five minutes without, um, getting super granular that, that I think has helped clarify in my brain. So I'm going to rattle these off real quick. The first one is very easy to understand for everybody. If you ride endurance, it's proven through papers, you increase muscle, muscle glycogen storage. Simply said, if you can hold more glycogen, you're going to be able to have more energy in your muscles to pedal the bike later in the day. We all know that everybody's really strong in the first 45 minutes people are pretty good for two hours. What happens after that? And so that's really more important for the gravel racer, for the P one, two, three racer, cat fours and fives. It's important to start developing that because it's not something that happens instantly over time. And a good example of this is, you know, I call it the kill shot, right? Mm. Um, go out, you know, create a uh, 3000 kilojoules. And then, then can you create a one minute or a five minute or a 20 minute effort, right? Like everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, my, my numbers are these, mm-hmm. but what you're pointing out is like, Hey, can you be more efficient at the end? And like, yes. you know, I, I, I don't know if you ever saw the analysis from my, uh, when I won two in 2017 at nationals, 
Um, but, you know, for people who are watching, it, it came down to a three-man breakaway, and it was me. Do you have Brendan. a GoPro of this? Or I do don't you... have a GoPro of it, but um, I had somebody kind of do a power analyze of it. Okay. And, yeah, it's really cool because basically what happened was, you know, I mean, we we're going all day long, right? This is just a hard battle. And, and, and vice versa, we can look at 2018. It'd be interesting to see when Brendan beat me. But the course, basically how it's set up is there was a, about a, a 1K, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a little less, 800-meter hill at the finish of this it's like race. It's a 50-second effort, isn't it? Up to the top to the finish line, I'd say. Yeah, maybe yeah, somewhere in there. Um, a little less, maybe? But, yeah, maybe a little longer. Maybe a little longer, um, okay. So, but, you know, the, the first year... You know, like Brennan attacked like 3K out. And uh, luckily I had another guy with me and he just pulled him right back and kind of gave me the free ride. And, and and in a nutshell, we were three hours in, just tired. We were gassed and I had the kill shot, right? I went, you know, for me, almost almost 10 watts per kilo the last minute up this hill. <laughs> and I will say, I had, I had a, sorry to interrupt you. I had a good viewpoint for the show. And you took off, and I was just – it was pretty instantly defeated. It was – I stood up, and you were freaking gone. I was like, damn, that dude just won. Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the following year, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it again. And I went, and Brendan was ready this time, and he he kind of countered it and went right by me, and that same thing. I was like, oh, you know, and, like, there was three of us or four of us again, and, like, I didn't even want to fight for a second because I really won first, you know, and it was he went, and it was like, oh, okay. I, I that I, every All of my training went to that race. All of that yeah. was, like, <laughs> make sure you have something at hour three. Right. Yeah. And now, so, so long story short of, of what, you know, the first thing Brendan's talking about is, like, are you going to have that glycogen at the end for that kill shot, you know? And, mm-hmm. and obviously there was a lot of other factors, you know, and, and parts of that was the anaerobic system. But I think, you know, me having a super high aerobic base that year and, and being able to utilize fat as an energy source, you know, allowed me to have that at the last minute there, you know? And that's actually, so that was my number six is actually – Riding and endurance will help athletes use fat more efficiently. My one big harp now, and I was so glad that Stephen Bassett brought this up when we did a podcast. I said, what's a big buzzword these days? And he said, fat adaptation. Because we're talking and you hear a lot, use fat more as a fuel. 100% agree with that. But then athletes get into this keto thing. They get into, I'm only riding and I'm only going to get fat adapted and they forget about carbohydrates and if you think that fat is fat efficiency and only using fat are two very 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 different things so anyone listening to this i want to make sure you understand both of those winning moves are done off carbohydrates there is physically no possible way for that type of effort to be done so Use fat more efficiently so you can use the carbohydrates. That's what's Owen, what Owen is saying. And it just – the water gets muddy there, and that can really wreck people's training. Right. I agree oh. 100%. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned efficiency. So that was my number four when we use these type 1 fibers that Owen's talking about on the more endurance side. As you do a longer ride – they get tired and they say, we need some help. Hey, type two fibers, you're usually more anaerobic. Get over here, do a little bit of work. 
So now your anaerobic fibers start to work more aerobically. And this is huge because you're going to be able to use oxygen more efficiently, which when you do that to create energy, you create less hydrogen ions, which are what provide that stinging, burning feeling that says, ah, I think I'm going to lay off the gas a little bit. And so the efficiency is huge for both of those. And two examples on that, what you're saying is um, I had two athletes that I worked with, both really high-end athletes. I mean, state champions, the whole nine yards. And we kind of, we took a winter period of base training, right? And um, one gentleman, uh, Will Jessup, I think he might have put in, I want to say it was about two hours and 20 minutes for four months. Two hours and 20 minutes was in zones five and six, so above threshold. Um, and, and man, 90% of it was like zone two and zone three, right? Just super aerobic. And um, we got done with that, that block and we're heading into the year. And I said, hey, I want you to go do a, a five-minute power test. And he's like, what? You know, he's like, you know, I haven't touched those systems. Yeah. You know, and I said, no, I just want you to go do a five minute power test. Right. And and long story short, he, he said his best five minute power ever. Right. You know, and, and it, it improved as the year went on. But it was just one of those cases. And I, I did it with another athlete, you know, the previous year. And, and she, she same thing. She was like, I, I can't believe it. You know, like the only time she really got high intensity stuff was on a Saturday group ride here and there, mm-hmm. you know. And, but yeah. So, to you know, to kind of touch on what you're saying is. It, it works, you know, more, more mitochondrial density, your highway, that would be not the dump truck, but that would be wherever they're dumping. So yeah. we're doing those high intensity VO twos so that you get that cardiac output. And yeah. then I forget, you know, I talked to Tom about this, my coach, and I'm trying to think of where else I heard this first. Um, but really endurance increase the density, the number of mitochondria, and those are the powerhouse of the cell creating the energy. So just like your highway example, um, that's huge. I think that is the most misunder, I shouldn't say misunderstood. Just, it's not talked about enough. If you tell, if you say, if you had said to me five years ago when I was what, uh, nine, seven or eight years into training, Hey, riding endurance improves your VO two max. I would have been like, what? I didn't know the whole equation. And so I think, but meanwhile, I'm sitting here preaching base miles, ride endurance. I just didn't know that that was a benefit of it. And so it's really, it's funny how, you know, I'm glad that social media and these podcasts and just more information's out there. We're, we're able to understand what we're doing in our bodies much more. And at the same time, we're still just barely scratching the surface, which is, which is interesting. Um, lactate threshold FTP. Yeah. You said push that window up. A lot of people use that as, you know, I got to push up my ceiling. Sometimes people say aerobic ceiling when they're talking about FTP, which really is actually incorrect. Aerobic ceiling would be VO two max, but we get the point riding endurance will help you clear lactate more efficiently. So Right. what's your FTP? How much lactate do you produce minus how much can you clear when that equation gets kind of wonky, you feel those hydrogen ions. You're like, Oh man, I, I have to go sub FTP now to recover a little bit. So riding endurance will definitely help improve your FTP. And we could go down a wormhole off that. Like you had said, there's also this anaerobic contribution in those one minute efforts that we did 
If you train that too much, that's when you're going to be undergoing glycolysis using the carbs, which is a good thing. But if you do it too often and become more glycolytic, you produce more hydrogen. So technically get more strong anaerobically versus aerobically and your FTP goes down. So that's a whole other, it's all related, which is the fun thing, but the annoying thing, like I need more anaerobic power but I might damage my FTP. I need more FTP. Now I'm not as sharp. Like this balancing of everything. Um, I think what there's, you know, and then even like uh, one of the things that I learned from Jason was the more endurance you ride, he always like more capillaries in your Mm -hmm. muscles. So then there's more transport of oxygen, more efficient athlete. I think that's the, you know, three times we've said efficiency and that, Everything that counts cannot be counted. And efficiency is nothing that training peaks is not going to say, hey, you efficiently improved your capillarization today. When we can't Mm -hmm. see it, we see watts, we see a lower heart rate, those things that are more tangible metrics. And so it's really good. I mean, we've talked a lot. You've always, I always use your analogy when people say, Brendan, why do you have a coach? I said, my buddy Owen said it to me one time. A surgeon doesn't operate on himself, so why would I? And that's what I love about having a coach is that they help you step away from the metrics sometimes. The numbers are great, but how's the athlete feeling? How do you subjectively feel? And those are so important. And it's these endurance rides. There's no PR. There's no fast time. There's kilojoules, and you just got to know you are putting power in the bank for later, but it just wasn't today. And so, well, do we miss anything there? Any big I think that's it. You know, we can can go into cardiovascular output and, you know, the the stroke volume and the pump and the whole nine yards. But I think. I think just saying that the pump is what the hot. So if somebody said, well, why do I ever do five by fives? Why do I ever go super hard? That's for the pump. That's your heart. That's pump out blood. I think if somebody wants to go beyond that, they easily can like there's papers, blogs, whatever, but knowing more in that area never made, it's not gonna make you faster. You know, like that's the main P in my opinion, but some people want to know more, Google it. There's tons of information on it. Right. For sure. So, yeah. So I think um, we we nailed some questions, you know, so we, we kind of came up with this idea. It was like, I've got athletes that have been asking me questions and I think vice versa, and so it was kind of just, you know, like I wanted to get a different perspective on this stuff. And so I kind of came up with a couple questions um, for Brendan that, you know, I have my thoughts and my opinion on and just same thing, wanted to kind of almost get it reinforced. Um, so, so, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the first thing I, I wanted to talk about was um, cadence work. Uh, okay. You know, do you um, prescribe or do you, you know, address cadence type work during, you know, this block, or is it all, all the time? Um, and, you know, and this is, you know, we've heard big gear, high spin, whatever, right? Like what's your kind of approach on that? And, um, you know, where, where do you go with it? Yeah. So just so if there's newer listeners, if we say big gear or high torque, think of being in your big ring in the front and your little ring in the back or a, a hard gear, a lower cadence, 
Um, and then obviously a high cadence is going to be faster spinning just so we're all on the same page. So I call it torque, like high torque intervals. Um, I really don't do any high cadence and this is purely, you know, personally I've done some before and I actually used to ride a fixed gear, uh, yeah, fixed gear all winter. And I had amazing leg speed coming out in the spring but if you don't keep doing it, your body naturally goes to what you naturally want to pedal. And there was definitely a cost to doing that. Like there were times when I'm on this fixie and it was just unbearable almost. <laughs> right. So if people are wondering why I rode a fixie, I was in the cold, the snow, it used, the thought of riding a road bike outside was not feasible at that in the 2010, let's say. So anyways, I do assign high torque work. It's usually very, very early on. I'll be able to tell if an athlete, if it agrees with them or not, some are like that made my knee feel weird. We pretty much immediately stop it. Some people just, I don't know if it's their pedaling style, they're pushing weird, their bike set up, but if it's bothering them, it's not going to be worth it. Cause that could create a major issue myself. I do enjoy doing it. I, sort of self-assign it to myself at times. Tom doesn't really give it to me much. And I will do it if I'm doing like four by tens. And sometimes if I'm just cranking up a hill, like a longer climb, or even I've done it on rollers. And when I do maybe only two to three sessions of that over, let's say 14 to 20 days, when I'm riding around threshold or above there's just seems it creates another gear it i can be riding and then i can shift into a harder gear and almost mash a little bit but it no longer feels like mashing and it sort of changes the muscles how they're firing or something and then i go back to normal cadence and it's sort of like i'm relieved so for really long efforts it helps with that and then i guess behind the science aspect the theory is because there's more torque you could technically ride around 90 to 95% FTP and get the same physiological adaptations as if you were riding at 100% FTP. The only issue I have with that is it's not the same. It, it feels different. Your heart rate's lower. It yeah. can sometimes screw with an athlete because then when they are riding normally at 100% FTP, their heart rate's beating a little bit faster and they're not used to that thing almost coming out of their chest and they're like really <laughs> on the limit and they're like, wait a minute, I'm used to doing, the, you know, like they want the other scenario. So I sometimes, it's, it depends on how much the athlete's riding. So I do assign it sometimes, but it's not for everybody. And, and sometimes I just experiment. I say, hey, have you ever done high torque work? No. You want to try it? This is kind of why we would do it. This is what I feel from it. And some people try and like, I actually love that. And I'm like, great, let's do it again. Other people, it seems to help them climb better. And at the other extreme, other people say, nope, hated that. Don't want to do it. Great. There's a billion other things we can work on. Right. No, that makes, what do you, makes what, sense. What's your thought on that? <laughs> this is awesome because um I, are you totally different had, well yeah yeah because i've had yeah. i've had two different coaches um one that was was a big uh, a lot of high cadence work um you know basically a progression you know you, you start at x and then you work up to you know to y and then i had another coach you know super big gear guy you know just hey we're gonna start here and 
and you know basically he set me at a heart rate and we do these intervals and and just see if the power improved based on that heart rate um and so again why do we have teachers why do we have coaches you know i kind of just grabbed a bunch from both of them and, and just said well crap why can't i just create a you know something that's i think it's super low picking fruit and, and maybe you know there's i wish there was more research on it to to prove it and, and you know but i've just seen what my athletes are experiencing and and i and i'm like all right it's it's working right and, and is it i don't know is it just because they're riding more um can I, can I, I want to comment on that actually, because yeah, yeah. I, cause, and I don't, I, you know, I don't like putting word, I don't like taking things I talk from Tom with and cause I don't want to ever muddle his words, but we just talked about, I'd made the comment to him about somebody who was like, well, show me the study, show me the study. And I'm like, man, there's not some people out there think that there's a study for like every cycling interval for every reason why we do things. And I made the comment to Tom in passing. He said, it's just people forget that there are so few studies that are real life when you don't get that many cyclists in a lab and the way to truly analyze and follow them is not like a normal cycling, like a, like a normal study in science. Sports science is really difficult because of that. So I think when you're saying your feedback from the athlete, do they feel faster? That's what matters. It's right. you might, we might never find a study or maybe because of Zwift, I think we'll find more studies. More people will be willing to ride in the lab because some people are just riding on Zwift exclusively anyway. So it's not a torture. It's just what they do, but that's, I'm with you, man. And again, my way is not right. It's just high cadence never did it for me. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe I should start throwing to some people and be like, what do you think? But yeah. And oh, all, yeah. all I do is, is just a little bit of a progression, you know, like literally I start my athlete, you know, and you were talking about the knee stuff and it was like, well, yeah, yeah. If you go out and give somebody two by 20 minutes and on big gear, like, yeah, <laughs> they're probably, you know, not going to want to walk the next day. And so, you, you know, it was just, again, uh, you know, worked with guys like Tom Danielson, you know, and he just, we always did high cadence and it was just part of almost the warm up. Right. It was like every ride you know, you're talking about, like you, you, you just, oh, I did it. And then I got ripped, stopped doing it. And it was it is almost just part of the warm up process. And so, yeah, it was even just going, OK, I'm going to do two by five minutes at 110 RPMs at X percent. And then I'm going to do two by five minutes at big gear or low RPMs, you know, at X percent. And just kind of added that in. And like for the my athletes that are responding well. I just kind of add volume, you know, time on it, you know, and say, okay, well, next week we're going to do, you know, two by eight minutes and then we're going to do two by 12 and, and kind of get them to a point where, you know, the way I think about it is like, if you think about the pedal stroke, right. When you're like in a, a, a big gear or a mashing, you know, torque position, you're going, you know, you're using glutes, quads and calves, right. You know, you think about how the, the geometry of the body is, mm -hmm. but when you're at a high cadence, you know, you're using that, that hip flexor, the hamstring, and then the shin muscles. So my thought process is, is you're, we're, we're stimulating these muscles that maybe you just don't really turn on all the time because you're, you're doing your normal 80 to 90 RPMs, right? You're just, mm -hmm. Hey, the, these are the muscles that work, right? You know, but like, if we can turn them on a little bit more. That's interesting, man. Cause I've been, I, I, I challenge you. I'm going to put a challenge out to you. I, I will accept that challenge. I'm actually, <laughs> no, I seriously, because I had to change. God, I, I, look at that. These guys, I just lost, I just lost nationals next year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's going to make me, 
Well, actually, you can't because now they're on the same squad. It's going to be, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> one I've had last year, I had an issue with a hip flex. It was actually my QL apparently, but my hip flexor and my glute were bothering me because the QL was super inflamed. And I guess that's where it it shows its issues. But being on these flatlands here in Florida for the months in the winter, I was nudging myself forward more. And I, I don't, I won't know the answer. I, I think I was just putting too much pressure on the hip flexor, but at the same time, maybe it was just the same pedaling over and over and over again. And so I've changed saddles, which has me in a little bit better position, I think, but I could be maybe benefiting from changing up the pedal stroke. So tomorrow this might be so do you do that for the whole endurance ride like is this uh, an endurance thing or is this just the warm-up and maybe during so, cool down and what do i have to do i have to do 110 rpm that already sounds pretty high uh, I'll, I'll send you that but yeah i know like for the so for the endurance phase or the winter training you, you know i'll have i'll just make it's just a workout right it's a workout mm-hmm. for these athletes because it's like how many times can you give them endurance ride you know so it's like one of the days is just high low cadence right but then as we get into the season and like we, we need to start really working on other stuff it can it be, can become part of the warm up right so we're just still touching it right we're just it's there we're turning it back on and then you're not forgetting it um so yeah let me i'll, I'll kind of i'll shoot you something over and Hit just me say up, man it's how what i think you know it it doesn't hurt to like you know, and then you, it's quick workout, right? And then you just go and, and ride, you know, you go throw it at 70% and do the rest of your ride or 65, whatever. Yeah. You know? That's actually my question. Do you ride at 65 or 75%? <laughs> what is endurance? That's the, the number one endurance question that I get all the time. What do you ride at? Man. So, and it's crazy because, you know, when I worked with you, man, we, you know, and this, this was probably that certain time of your life, right? We, we put it right at 75%, man. Right. It was just like, and I was just flying everywhere. Right. You know, and I felt like I had some really good growth and improvement, like really fast, you know, and it was just like, and everybody's like, dude, you just fly everywhere. And I'm like, man, let's put it at 75%. And it's like in Florida, that's, that's moving. Yeah. You're running 23, 24 all the time. And so, um, then I started working with another coach and, and he didn't, you know, he wanted me at 130 beats a minute, you know, and I, and I was just like, you know, but it was crazy because when we started, it was 190 watts and probably, you know, X amount of months, two, two or three months later, it was 230, 240 watts, you know, so I saw a, huge. you know, huge gain on my lower end, you know, uh, fitness or however you want to look at it, you know, right. Like we could see, you know, but if I was doing 75%, you know, it'd be cool to look back at what we were doing and going, Oh, you know, did my heart rate shift down, but we're still holding 75% probably, you know, I think because your FTP is so high, 75 is too hard. Um, I would definitely go back, you know, and the thing is too, the feeling. Did you feel like you were really great? Like I'm really, I'm, I'm getting it today. If you're pushing that hard, it's probably too hard. And you know, I think that the even the zones 
WKO came out with eye levels to address part of this issue. But when we talk about percentages of FTP, 5% of my FTP is over 20 watts. So Mm -hmm. you change it. Oh, just 5%. Well, it's like, whoa, that's 22 something watts. Like that's a big difference. Right. So you're up there and maybe it is more 65, 70 and, and look at whatever you can do around that heart rate. And people are probably croaking right now because I'm not a huge heart rate fan. I'm just like, put, put the Watts out, but I'm more about the RPE. How does it feel? And so we're taking that from our RPE lifting podcast. We did this guy, Matt Bickford, who had reached out to me on Strava, just being in the gym. This was only, I gotta remember when I started lifting. This might be my, fourth year consistently i'd lifted a bunch before but just always stopped and he just commented man it's interesting that you would recommend full out lifting and i'm like well it's not really max all the time and he's like well look looks like some and so we uh, hey let's chat and we did a podcast and he's a strength coach in sam fran and all about rpe and i was wondering how that worked and then he explained it it was really and so i started thinking more about riding and then I haven't listened to it yet. It just came out the other day. Fast Labs with Velo News just put out, is RPE the best metric? So I'm curious oh, wow. what those guys had to say about it. Yeah. So in the Discord, which I was telling you about, you need to get in this. Uh, some Andy, shout out to Andy, who had said, somebody told him, don't chase endurance, just ride. Okay. Endurance. Right, yeah. and, and then I would add the caveat, try not to coast. And you don't have to – I right. I'm, I was pretty dogmatic about it, and I had put out there the article that is 10% zone one, just keep pedaling. Maybe that's that's definitely aggressive if you live in the mountains. It's, you will kill yourself. It's probably – I should rewrite that. It, most people do endurance rides for two to three hours. If it's that case, yes, you can no doubt just keep it at 10%. 10% for four to five hours is very, very tough. Maybe I'm just getting soft on myself, but I've backed off it a little bit. But at the same time, I also think that because sometimes I ride a little bit too much tempo that I make it hard on myself to finish that. So again, it's balancing it. And another great reason to have a coach where you just start doing weird stuff. And I think you're right. Like, um, you know, sometimes I'll say to my athletes, like, you know, if I was to offer you a value you know for less money would you take it you know and so if we think about like aerobic capacity right if if we can almost achieve the same exact thing at 65 percent versus 75 percent but it's going to cost you less right the energy like the, the amount of kilojoules that you're having to put out less like that's a lot of food right like that, i mean you know i know you eat a lot you know but like 20 <laughs> watts but like seriously like oh, you call me fat. <laughs> <laughs> It's but 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 twenty right. watts over that that amount of time, right? You're going, dude. I just eliminated X amount of calories that I've got to get home, and because you can't do it the next day, right? Like you're gonna mm-hmm. run out of, of money, or, or you know, or, so yeah, yeah I, in the equation, right? So I struggle with that. I even had an athlete who's a big rower. Shout out to Sam, who this past year came on board, and he said that same exact example to me because he was riding all of his endurance rides at point six. 0.62. And I said, Hey, do you want to bump up the Watts? And he said, well, I thought the whole goal was get as much as possible with the least cost. I'm like, it is, but <laughs> he also wanted to do what's that big gravel race. Um, unbound. 
And so oh, I said, okay. okay, but if you want to do unbound, we need to do some rides where you're pushing because you're not going to be doing 0.6 at unbound and having any chance of winning. And so we found a balance of some rides are harder. And I, I will always tell every athlete, I'm an athlete like you. Sure, I've been training with power longer than most of them. I've seen a lot of different scenarios, but I do not know everything. So if you feel yeah. like this is something that's working, and especially this dude's a cr- crusher of a rower, huge pedigree in that. So full respect to somebody that's been killing in another sport. I want to hear what they have to say rather than tell him what to do. But I did say, hey, okay, I'm on board with that. Ride at that pace. Every once in a while, we got to push because his one limiter, big limiter was didn't like going hard, didn't like doing VO2 max. And he quickly learned there's climbers with huge aerobic capacity still have to know how to sprint. And if you race the big boys, they don't roll into a climb. They're going to attack the crap out of the bottom and drop a lot of dead weight, recover a little bit, and then throw some punches. And it was actually really good to hear Alex Hone talking about that when he talks about people with their 20-minute power. He goes, man, People don't understand. We hit a climb. We might do 420 and then 360 and then 440 and then 330 and then 500. And then, you know, like it's just and people that don't see that and think it's just FTP have a very quick rude awakening. But yeah, digressing there. But I think you're I'm slowly coming over that camp. I I used to be a kilojoule junkie, though, too. I really liked burning. Mm-hmm. I was every ride was 275. If I averaged below 275 watts for a long endurance ride, I was thinking, okay, I'm a little tired. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, damn, that's. That and, really- and, and what is it? 278 kill or 278 watts is a thousand kilojoules an hour. It's just about a thousand an hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know five, that's how that's how I rated it. Five hours, like, five hours had to be five thousand. If I did five hours and it was forty six hundred, I was like, damn, I need to ride another. I'd half be laying hour. in a ditch. I'd be in the ditch on the side of the road, just like. The only part of the only reason I was getting gravel is I could just put out a massive yeah. amount of kilojoules. But yeah, I'm getting away from that. But it's also too now in in thinking more about the racing that I'm doing. And back then, a lot of my racing was, and well, maybe it'll change now being back on a squad where I was up the road at the gun. There were a lot of bike races where it was three hours and I would do 3,400 KJs and that's what was needed to stay out the front. And you are just smashing. Sometimes I got caught a couple hours in, but my job was done. But it was like, hey, go and freaking make these people chase. And then when it was me and Pat, I love that that dude is so aggressive. I love that he's so aggressive. Um, All right. I got my next question. Okay. Um, How how much do you uh, use or follow the the PCM uh, performance management chart or or do you use another thing? Or I know know we've already kind of talked about just checking in with the athlete and how do they feel? Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I just, uh, I've had an athlete, um, shout out to Bobby. Um, what up Bobby? Yeah. He, I, I could tell you every time he was going to get sick, mm. you know, and, and I could look at his performance management chart and man, when we would get below like, you know, negative 40, uh, TSB, I mean, he, he would just be, Oh, I feel great. I feel great. You know, and he's flying. And then like three days later, he's like, Oh man, I got a cold, you know, or mm-hmm. something. So, you know, how much do you dive into that? And, um, 
you know, or are you finding like, hey, man, I just I just really like checking in with, with more with them and stuff. I use it way less than I used to. And okay. I glance at it. I think in general, if you can get an athlete between 80 to 120 CTL, that's a good amount for most athletes that are working in stuff. I don't have a problem. I'm riding a ton. So because my CTL gets so high, my TSB doesn't really get that low. And the thing one time, this was back when we did tour of North Georgia. And I actually put a podcast out about this. The way that the numbers can get tangled up in that, it can be misleading as to you can think if you're just going by numbers that you would need to train more and that you're not fresh and ready to go. And it was actually a perfect, I won't get into the whole thing because it was a podcast in itself and I'd be just grabbing the mic for too long, but I, I might post that link and people can watch if they're interested. Okay. Um, the other thing is too, it, it confuses people when they see their CTL going down. They're like, I'm losing fitness. Oh yeah. You might be tapering. You might be freshening up. You might yeah. be shedding fatigue. So I think it's good of, man, it's just, it can be misleading. You can drive it up and and then it depends how much somebody rests. And I think just checking in and more so I look at the frequency of workouts. I start to see red flags when two or three days are missed. That is when you are losing out big time and the non-consistent athletes it's you might as well just forget the PMC chart because right. you're not consistent. You're not building on it, on your fitness. You're just working out. You're Richard Simmons going to workout class. That's not a diss. That's just what it is. You're not changing your physiology. There's just consistency. Got to put in the reps, got to put yeah. in the reps. And that makes sense. I, you know, I, I do get, uh, you know, obviously get athletes from other coaches and, and stuff like that. And, and that's one of the things I'll notice is like, I'll, you know, I'll look at that and it's just like this flattened line. And I'm like, like, dude, you, you haven't, you know, you've been sitting at 80 for like two years. Like you haven't ever like, you know, gone up or put any stress on you. And yeah, so that makes sense. Okay. And, ever, and then maybe, and that's the thing too. Some athletes, they never go hard enough or they never, I don't think everybody has to overload, but there should. Yeah. I think the, the flat, the flat is weird. If I get in season, sometimes it'll get flat. If it's just like race recover and you're putting in big hours. And so I think that can be misleading too. Cause I definitely was more, I should go back and look at mine. It still has peaks and valleys, but yeah, it's the, the athletes that, and a lot of times that's, they never take a rest week. That's more that I would look at. Like, are they even resting? Like, well, I only train 10 hours a week. I don't need to rest. I'm like, no, you definitely need to rest. Yeah. Definitely need to rest. Mine looks like a tour de France Alpine stage. There you go. Dude. <laughs> like it's when it's off, it's like fully off. <laughs> yeah. And when it's go, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you take the last four years and you'd be like, what? This is like, it is a mountain stage at the Tour de France. Like, It's interesting for me to look at mine when I look at when I moved to Tennessee. And that's when I started thinking, I'm going to start doing just bigger miles because I wanted to. And so I was always, I was this, I was this, I was this. And I came up and then I moved in the fall and I just kept going up. And then it's been like this. It's just been mega miles. And 
it's worked out though. I had seven years before that of a ton of riding and somebody actually made a comment. I posted some video and they said, holy crap, man, you have a lot of 10,000 mile years. And I said, that's the only reason I'm right. I can ride so much. I would be dead, but my body would crumble and I probably still push it a little bit too much, but yeah. eh. cool. All right. What do you got on your end? So what was my other question? I did not actually write it down and it was the 65, 75%. And man, what did I say the other night? (laughs) I didn't write it down either. So, Um, yeah. Now let me think of one. What's a good endurance question. I'm going to edit this part of the podcast out. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember that. So my other question was, and we touched on this briefly, but this might be, and you actually, when you're, was it uh, Danielson that had to do the 130 BPM? Uh, No, Jordan. When did that make you start looking more at heart rate? Because a lot of questions will be, do you use heart rate for endurance or do you use power? And I always say, just use power, you know, but don't kill yourself. And other people bring up aerobic decoupling, which is definitely a thing and something to be looked after. But I think one way to improve it is to ride more endurance. So I'm like, if you're not dead and you're not doing it all the time and you're never seeing an improvement, keep pedaling. If your heart rate goes up to 135, 138, okay, take note. Make sure it doesn't keep getting higher, but it should start to get lower. How do you address heart rate and endurance riding? Yeah, I think... um... This is a great question. I, I think there's a, a couple of different ways to come at it. Um, I, I really enjoy, you know, again, using the heart rate as an, an indicator of like improvement. Um, so, yeah. So say we, we give the athlete this range and it's, you know, 65 to 70% and okay, go out and, and give me two hours and then three hours and then four hours and so on. Um, you know, what is happening with the heart rate? And uh, I feel like I, I heard a good podcast about this, but it basically talked about it went into like the aerobic decoupling of like you should see some improvements. You know, we want to see the goal. Ultimate goal is to see less than uh, a 10 percent um, takeoff over the second half of the ride versus the first half of the ride on that. And so that's kind of been my 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 belief. But I guess how I, I coach it is. Um, you know, giving a power number, but then maybe giving a um, a limiter on the heart rate, right? Cool. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen guys, right? They're five hours in or four hours in, and it's it's 95 degrees outside, and you know, they're just they got it pegged at 230 watts, but you know, their heart rate's above threshold, right? You know, and you're just going, oh lordy, you know, Gu- like guilty, 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 right? Guilty. You know, so I think uh, you know, almost the right way is. Is, is, you know, and I learned this from my triathlon coach. And so I, I've got data from in training peaks since 2009. So, uh, coach Sean Burke, um, I was doing, uh, Augusta half Ironman and he said, yeah, he goes, you know, here's, you know, we want you to try to hold 80% of FTP for the bike portion, you know, and it was two hours and 15 minutes, two hour and 30 minute, you know, bike portion, 
um, which is super achievable, you know, but he goes, here's your, here's your heart rate limiter. I want you to not go over, you know, so he kind of gave me now this is a race, right? But from that point on, I was like, man, that's, that's probably a, a good, you know, scenario to have. So, you know, as I train, I kind of look at both and then I guess it's really, what am I trying to achieve from a coaching standpoint is like, do I want to see how is this person's fitness improving? Right. Like, and so the best way is to give them that flat line um, power number and then see what's, what's happening with the heart rate. And, and, you know, ideally we don't want to see, they say like, if you, if you and I were going out and we were racing uh, three hours, three hour road races, which is pretty normal for us, you know, at from at like three and a half, we don't, we want to do three and a half hours of zone two riding. We don't want to see more than a 10% drift. Um, if when we get to that point where we don't have that, we're ready to go race that distance. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and, and and that's just something I heard, and and you know I for, I couldn't tell you what podcast, and I apologize for ripping that off, but it was just it was something I was like, yeah, you know that might just be a good thing to have and, and use. It's interesting. But you know, like I can get athletes and hey, go out and do two hour ride, and in two hours their heart rate's taken off, right? Yeah. Where you know, like you and I, like we know, like man, I can tell you usually, hey, at three hours, it's going to start to start to go, you know, but where you do a lot of training, I mean, you might be able to do five hours before it actually takes off. Or um, I just ignore it and I let it go too high anyways. Right. A question, when, so do you base the number, do you get that initial number just by first monitoring? So you give them the power number, hey, this is your zone two, go ride at this. And then do you use that ride to establish the baseline number? and then take 10% above that? Or where do you get the first number? And then my second question is, do you see a lot of variability? Because I don't, I mean, heart rate monitors sometimes either you drink too much coffee, you didn't sleep as well. Like sometimes there's variation right. just from that. How do you, how do you screen for those error readings? And I guess if you're looking at this very often, it's, it's obvious when someone just is like off that day, but right. How do you get the baseline and then how do you screen for error? Yeah, I think, you know, the, for me, like, uh, ideally like the, the perfect template would be like, okay, send them out for a three hour ride. Um, mm -hmm. take basically highlight or, or lap the first hour and a half mm -hmm. and then lap the, the second hour and a half and then taking, you know, the average of that. Right. So to say, okay, the first hour and a half, the athlete was 130 beats per minute um, and then the, the second half of that, he, the athlete was 140 beats per minute was their average. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's tricky. Like Jacksonville is pretty awesome for it. And I think, you know, probably West Palm is probably pretty good too, you, you know, but you can't do this. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do because like, you know, think about it like, Oh, there's a stop light here and a stop light there and a train crossing and, you know, like I can go out the door and man, just throw down consistent power for, you know, an hour and a half or two and a half hours without really even stopping. Wow. Um, That's crazy. You know, so I can do that all day long. Like, you know, and the, and the worst thing is I just flip a U-turn and I can go back the other direction for an hour, you know, and no stops, you know, and it's just, so it's kind of cool with my athletes here because I can do that. I can say, Hey, you know, I want you to warm up to this park and then hop on A1A and, 
you can go on A1A, you know, again, it's an hour one direction, an hour the other direction. And, and yeah, I can get constant data and feedback, you know, but the only other place you can really get that is on the trainer. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something I'm going to implement this year is um, during our, the recovery weeks or adaptation weeks, I want to do a test and, and call it the aerobic test and basically, you know, get people on the trainer or get them on a road that they don't have to stop and do this, what we're talking about, you know, because yeah. that's the problem, Brendan, is with, with what I'm saying here is like, well, great. Like, you know, what if the person stopped at the gas station for 15 minutes and then they hop back on their bike? Yeah, there's there's going to be some fluctuations and changes or. Yeah, so it's it's tricky. It really is, man. I think the trainer in the perfect world is like, OK, I want you to do this once every four weeks on the trainer. Less coffee stops, people. Less coffee stops yeah. since we're yeah, talking yeah, about that's, rides. that's it you do the coffee after, at the end you do know? the coffee at the end when you're 10 minutes from your house do not do it in the middle of the ride you are wrecking so much of it you're yeah. unless it's november yeah yeah i guess but still put it at the end still <laughs> tap into the the high benefit low cost that's right. the theme of this high benefit low cost right so um what other what what else uh what other questions you got um so this is kind of i've got a couple athletes that are up north and i think you probably do too or have athletes in colder weather um what what recommendations or tricks or um secrets do you have for riding inside on an indoor trainer you know like I, i got people that are just they're dying from boredom and i think this is a, a question for anybody so you know, if you have some secrets at the bottom, you know, reply about the comments. This one. Yeah, yeah. In the comments on indoor trainer secrets. <laughs> so I'll I'll have to give the the context again because I've actually gotten some messages that say, "Hey, you guys used to sponsor this Zwift team, but you don't seem to Zwift. What's the deal with that?" And I was like, "Because I lived in upstate New York and I rode on a trainer when it was just dumb trainers, and it broke me. It yeah. is hard, and okay. so." The only answer to that was losing the year before and thinking, I'm going to crush that person this year. And there was no doubt in the Northeast who rode in the basement and who didn't. And in April, May, and early June, it was killing season on the people that didn't do it. And there was no – I remember – coming down if you live in the southeast if you live in warmer weather you have such an advantage and i remember the first time i did nationals in augusta there were a lot of guys i had never seen a lot of teams i had never seen they just seemed on a higher level now granted bike reg won that year and they were from the pennsylvania area but that was a little bit more moderate it still get winter i don't want pa people like we have crazy winter well you do Upstate New York, though, near Canada, it's a different beast. And it was a lot of indoor time. And so it's literally how badly do you want it? Plain and simple. And yeah. there are a lot, a lot, a lot of soft athletes out there. And I'm sorry to put that out there, but I just want people to recognize. Yeah. Be honest with yourself because it. it so much of endurance sports is how much are you willing to put into it? And I'm not saying you have to give up your life, 
I'm not saying you have to be a bike monk. I'm not saying that you can't do other things, but I'm saying if you cannot ride two hours on a trainer, it's going to be tough if you live in a cold area. Now you could, if you, I did, I was doing longer rides on the trainer. I was doing three hour rides. I had done a four hour ride. That was because it was on the weekend and it would blizzard and there was no going outside. And I really just didn't have a choice. But indoors, I'm with you. If you don't want to ride two hours during the week, I get that. It's dark. There's Zwift now, though. I would suck it up and do it. The You can get by with an hour and a half if you've been riding a while. I did hour and a half sessions on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I said I'm riding four to five hours on Saturday and Sunday, no matter what. And we would all start watching the weather on Wednesday. And it was, either, yeah. oh, it's going to be a good weekend. And you had to have dry <laughs> roads also. So it couldn't even rain yeah. or else it was going to be icy. Yeah. Friday, if it got nasty, it was – people were in bad moods. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so you're, gonna, so you're saying it's kind of it's kind of like Rocky. You gotta you gotta put the the, the picture of the Russian up on the. If you can't the, if you can't ride inside for three hours, you're not gonna beat me. <laughs> I'm gonna put that out there right now. Oh man, uh, no, that's yeah. it, it. It's just really, I mean, it's endurance sports. You got to do the work, and there's no way around it. And you can somebody actually asked a really good question in the Discord. Hey, can I do? higher intensity and then switch to volume later you could the only problem is a lot of people do higher intensity and then they're actually working way too much it's hard to maintain that so i would ask the question what are you going to do what's high intensity vo2 max work you're going to most likely burn out unless you're some sort of freak that can just go in the cave all the time and crush but i don't really think that's effective you're again we're talking you're working such a high intensity for cardiac output, you're not working on the actual portion in your cells that's going to make the energy. You want that endurance. I think you could do some FTP stuff, but I would even then say switch to variety, do the cadence work, do the endurance work, do a little bit of tempo work, change it up so your brain has different stimulus 100%. I don't think you want to be crushing all winter. I haven't seen that work well. I don't... I'm sure there's somebody out there that that's what they do and they love it. I have more seen the flip side. Zwift came out. There's a ton of racing. People race. They feel really fit. Then they go do a three-hour road race. It's not so pretty. And that's, yeah, yeah, there's more of that story. I'll leave it at that. Sure. You just got to be a badass. (laughs) You just have to want it. And that's the thing. I don't feel like I was being a badass. It was just I had no other option. Being right. a badass was changing my life and moving south. That's what I, I'm more proud of, of, of saying. My dad actually said that to me. He said, why do you still live here? <laughs> I said, what? And he's like, you love riding a bike. You have three nice months. It has snowed here in May. It gets really crappy in October. That's when nuts. are you going to move? You, and, and then I started talking about moving to North Carolina uh before i moved to tennessee where my sister lives and he said this is probably i don't know eight months later he said hey so you're just gonna talk about moving you're actually gonna do it and i was like damn i feel like you don't want me around here like no but i just see how much you love this and you need to probably do more of it but you're not going to be able to do it here right 
And that's when I just put the wheels in motion. Like, okay, I, I need to follow this thing. And so glad I did, but it's, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm more kidding. It's not hard ass. It's just, if you want it, you'll figure it out. You'll athletes will find a way. And so I usually leave it to the athlete and sorry, I'm getting super verbose here, but I am passionate about this topic because people want a shortcut. People want a sweet spot for an hour and think they're going to crush. And it's not going to happen. That's not how this works. And so you just have, I will give athletes the option. Hey, you can ride an hour and a half. We can do this. Let's try and change things up. And sometimes people just start skipping workouts and I can't put them on the trainer. So I'll offer other suggestions, like, let's go outside. Can you ski? That's a big thing. My problem with that is though, then I had to drive to ski. There just wasn't enough time all the time during the week. It gets dark at four 30. It's like, ugh. So yeah, I, I, that could be a podcast in itself, how to, how to keep it rolling. I think everybody should just move South though. So yeah. Hey, Jacksonville is a place, man. I'm telling you guys, if you want to, you want to get, I think it's one of the best training areas in the country, man. We we can go just about every direction, but East. So what's, uh, what are you telling people? Yeah, I think it, I think you nailed it, to be honest, you know, it's just, you know, what is the want, you know, what, and I, and I get it, 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 it's, and it's crazy because, you know, um, I, I, last year, I hopped on the trainer twice, I made it 42 minutes the first time, and I made it 48 minutes the second time. And I sold that trainer, you know, <laughs> so had you just bought it? Was that your first trainer? It was no, I've done this multiple times, man. I mean, when I was working with like, you know, I used to have the old compu trainer back in the day. Oh, wow. And, but you know, I, I could knock out, I can knock out high intense intervals, right? Like if you sent me in the, you know, I used to be in the garage and it would be like four by eight minutes. I remember that day you gave me four by eight minutes and you're like, do them at 105%. And I was like, you're crazy. That was the most pain I've ever suffered in my life. But my you know, friend, I was like, my bread and butter dog. I know. And I was like, dang, but he's going to look at these numbers. And, and like, I was fit at the time. And I was like, I got to knock these out, you know? And I mean, it was just like getting to six minutes. And then I was like, all right, I can make it too. But yeah, so I could do the high intense stuff, but like literally if I got on the trainer and I just, you know, pre-programmed 220 Watts, I'd cover, I'd cover all the stuff with a towel, you know, and had my music in and just, and I finally, I just look up and I hit stop and I'm like 42 minutes. Are you kidding me? It's been like, it feels like two hours, you know, horrible. And that's, I I have have nothing for anybody. I, you know, it's, it's the, so my last, so I officially, so I moved in 2016. I actually was planning to move in 2014 and I was on a winter ride on a fixed gear and I passed a sign. I ended up winning a scholarship to get my MBA. And I was like, "Uh Oh, I'm staying here two more years. And in that second year I cracked and I just, I, I so sick of the snow, so sick of winter pumping gas. We can't feel your hands. And that year, the only indoor rides I did, I had, I don't even think I, I know I did have a trainer, but I think it was on its last legs. I had rollers though. I was much more a fan of rollers. I did four by tens all the time, either mm-hmm. tempo four by tens, threshold four by tens, where I was nearly like flying off the rollers 
or I would try to mess with the cadence a little bit. And just the roller action kept me alive. And the reason um, I was in Baton Kill and I got dropped on the last climb by Brian Lewis, I believe, who raced for what's the name of the team? Lupus, I think, after and someone else. Yeah, Kelly Benefits. I think. Yeah, man, I I cramped. I just didn't have the miles in. I didn't do it. I didn't want it. And guess what? He's strong, but (laughs) I. I wanted to at least give it a shot. And I was, I was off the front and I was falling apart and I went back to my car and I stood on that podium and I was really bummed because I just didn't do the work and I had put myself in that position. And that's the only reason I want to tell people you're going to put in this time. Sometimes it's a little hard. Sometimes you don't want to do it. I think I love riding. I'm a cyclist before a bike racer by far. If I never raced again, no problem. Uh, I'm getting excited to go do some grand fondos with the guys in Slovenia. That excites me riding in different places. Love it. But I don't want to ride all the time. And there are days when I get up and I would much rather just drink some coffee and chill out and let's go to breakfast and da da. But somebody else is going to do that and I'm going to get better. So I'm going to go do that. And then I'll have the caught, you know, and you just got to pick and choose every day. Yeah. I picked a sport where consistency is king. If you don't like yeah. that, you need to play a skills game. And, yeah. and that's, that's one of my juniors said that uh, we were on a ride Sunday and he goes, you know what I like about cycling? And he goes, you reap like what you put in. He goes, mm-hmm. he goes, you work hard. Like you get better. He's like, it's, you know, and in this, he's gone from, you know, 220 watt FTP to 300 watt FTP in one year, you know, and he's just a young guy. And, but he's just like, dude, this is awesome. You know, he could, he could feel the fire, man. Like he's, I'm like, okay, let's go, you know? And it's crazy because I look back at every cat one that I look up to when I was a cat five. And I just thought that would be so sick to be (laughs) in that race. I would love to race against those people. And you don't think that guy was just where I was just, yeah. He, had, he got into this before me and you know at some point owen shot was in a fluoro jersey looking like he didn't know how to stand on a bike and guess what i was there too and i had the nash bar this and i had that and i mean there's some pictures on instagram floating around that people love to laugh and i love it i put one out that i said like circle all the whackness and just like you circle the entire thing from <laughs> just look you don't look like yeah. you look now. That's for sure. And it's a journey. And I think any journey where you want to find success, you want to find happiness, it's going to take a little bit of grit and a little bit of, I'm going to push through this. And it's, you know, it's not a, and I don't say that in the macho push through, like only train hard. It's definitely not that it's train smart, but just be consistent with it. And there's going to be days and things you got to navigate and Todd Shesky, actually a guy from my uh, cycling club. He was one of my first nemesis that I really wanted to beat this guy. Cause he was one of the OG guys. He coaches who's uh, Estevez. Is it who won the crit the oh, yeah. road race? Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. Daniel. And Todd just had an article in peaks coaching and it was something to the effect of we make a plan 
And then life happens, weather happens, injuries happen, all these other things happen and champions find a way to win. And so I thought that was an, I actually need to shoot him an email and just say, Hey, I read that quote and that's could not be more spot on. And the more I'm in forums, I talk a lot. I post a lot of stuff. I probably read a lot more. I just like to sneak in and see what people are chatting about. And then there is so much of how can I get more with getting less? But I think, I guess that's kind of working smart, but there's not this, I want to work for it. It's I want to get it, but I want to do it in 45 minutes. I got, you know, and mm-hmm. endurance sports just, can't change the physiology that way unfortunately unless you cheat and yeah not, not really into that game so yeah well i got i got one last question for you cool. and then this this is more for me i think than anything is so we're, we're kind of in the same boat right um both defending champions um we've both won you know cha- uh, championship title before what what is the motivating factor for you going into uh you know 2022 you know, I, I, I kind of, I don't want to struggle with this, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of been there and done that. And I know there's, there's some other higher bars, right. You know, but um, what, what is your motivating factor for, for 2022 to, to do it again, or, you know, or to get on that bike every day, like you're saying. Yeah. I think the big one is not again, I've never been on a team that's won amateur nationals. So being able to to see one of us win that race. Uh, I think last year was the only year in 13 years as a cat one, is it, since 2010? So no, 11 years as a cat one that I thought, oh man, this could maybe happen. I could maybe have a shot right now. We got caught, but it was a nice, it was a nice glimmer and ta- to still be there. I'm thinking, okay maybe next year. And then you had hit me up of maybe we'll do these masters races. And then next thing I know, it's this powerhouse P one team. And the reason I said yes instantly was I think we could win nationals. And then I think also the driving force is just personal development. I actually think I'm hungrier now than I ever was before. Cause I sort of know where I am in racing before it was confusing. You first get your cat one local people don't, there's usually not a lot of cat ones. So people don't know the levels of pro people are like, when are you going pro? And I'm like, I don't even, I'm not good enough to go pro. And then other people, you know, you need to, you need to go, you know, all across the U S and do all these NRC races, which it used to be called. And I was 27 and that from like 27 to 30, I was trying to just find my footing of where is racing in my life. And now I know where it is how much I want to ride, what types of races I want to go do. I still want to try new things like trying the gravel. I'm sort of getting out of that. It's just not, it, it's great. Just not for me as much. I'll do some gravel, but it's not gonna be a high focus. And I think just trying to win races that I haven't won before, you know, when did Carter County, that's a race that I probably should never be able to win, which makes me super excited to try and win it. Like, okay, how can I beat these guys up this freaking three mile climb? there's a way and a lot of things have to align but there's a way and i think different challenges doing the grand fondo nationals which some people laugh they're like are you seriously going to do a grand fondo i'm like well it's segment racing i've never done this before 
I probably will never win. Owen's not coming. So maybe I have a shot <laughs> at the age group. And, you know, I come in sixth overall. So riding behind some guys that are just absolute phenomenal climbers, that still feels good to me. It's like, okay, that was kind of cool. And, you know, went, and it's just having a good time. Every it's, four event. Race, it's four races in one, man. It's, it's uh-huh. kind of like. Well, <laughs> we did not. We did not take. I don't know if I really. We did not take your strategy, which is the smart one. Everyone's riding literally, as you said, you said, Brendan, this is not going to be a five hour ride. People ride slowly to the segment. Patrick's wife, Asaka, was there with their kid, Kaito. Chris was there. We we didn't plan for this to be a six and a half hour day. So I said to Patrick, like, we're taking off, man. We just got to ride this thing. So two guys came with us. The four of us ripped the whole course. And wow. I think the only reason I won by 33 seconds against the next Masters guy. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of that happened is there's two of those KOMs that are long stretches that finish with a climb. Yep. We went, the four of us went full gas the entire time. So even though we maybe were a little tired on the climb, I think we would have gained time on the flats because there's no way eight guys are going to all give it their all right. knowing they have to then climb. So I say, guys, if we just average higher early on, I think that's going to benefit us versus these climbers behind us. So. I don't know. It was a different strategy. We got done in way before the other group. And so first to the pizza, that's what was the most important. But yeah, man, I think motivation, having fun. This is, I love the sport. I love, I mean, man, I've met some amazing friends through cycling and going to these events. And I think the biggest thing is it's really easy to be, I used to be so intimidated at races and I don't know when it changed more, but once I started realizing we're all on the start line with a little bit of a hard shell up because we're all looking around like, damn, that dude looks fast. That dude looks fast. Damn, I want to win today. But then you're like, hey, man, what's up? That's literally all you have to say. And they're like, oh, man, this guy's actually nice. Hey, what's up? Who who are you? And really, I think it probably started more when I moved to Nashville. Like we went, I think immediately, uh, I have told this story. When I beat you at Masters Nationals, which was, man, I was so worried about you. The very first person to come up and give me a hug was you. And I was like, this dude is pure class. Like, we just went to battle, and you were so happy for me. And I was like, man, this is such a, uh, you know, that's a winner right there. And just meeting people like that. You want to surround yourself with good people. So it's... um, That's a lot of self-work, though. I mean, that... um the, you know, I can tell you a hundred stories, but you know, the, the previous generation of me or, you know, mm. I, you know, I, I would have probably went and did another lap, you know, of the course and just been MIA, you know, and, and that, you know, is something that I had had worked on and, you know, just understanding, you know, and, and yeah. And I was, I was super happy for you at, at that time too, you know, and, and I had to kind of, you know, put aside what I was feeling and go, you know, like this guy has, you know, worked really hard for this. And, and, you know, I'm, if I lose to him, like, it's, you know, like, okay. You know, and I knew the next year, like I got to work harder, you know, and and it's kind of neat, you know, a lot of of people don't know, but, you know, you know, you and I have taken, you know, three out of the, the four races, you know, masters national championships that we've been in or, you know, race together in and, and it, it, I think we're 
we're pushing the bar up for each other because you know you thought you were going to walk in in 2017 and just clean house and dude i thought for sure you know and then and then 18 you knew you had to work harder and then 19 i came back and i was like man i gotta work harder than him i you know and, and i was like I went out and, you know, I went out three weeks early in Colorado Springs. I was like, I got to get every advantage I can. It's 5% if I'm out there three weeks early. I knew exactly. It was 22 days I needed to be out there early. I knew, and, you know, and then, you know, I think in 20, I was like, you probably would have, uh, I was okay, but I, I think you probably would have cleaned me in 20, but we didn't have nationals. Yeah, so. I was ready, man. I Don't was, worry. Yeah, I knew oh, you were. And I realized you dedicate, you know, I realized how dedicated you were when you went out there so early and I got, and that was a great learning lesson for me. I got there three days before and did not feel good. The altitude really hurt me. And then when I was talking to you for Albuquerque, mm-hmm. Chris flew, he somehow we messed up the dates and he said, okay, I'll see you on Wednesday. I said, no, man, I'm coming in Thursday. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, do you want us to come in early? I'm like, I cannot. The third day it smacks me like a ton of bricks. I got there, raced, and then I stayed a few days afterwards. And that yeah. third day, I was like, oh, man, I don't feel that great. And it was just headache, kind of just off. Yeah. And I rode that day, wasn't feeling amazing. Um, so anyway, but I'm in the same boat. I There is a picture of me. I learned a really good lesson. My teammate made some tactical errors. There was a state championship that I really wanted to win in New York. And it was a memorial race for a guy from our club. And I ended up coming in third. And I looked like a smug little baby on the podium. And, that, and I felt bad because that's just a poor sport. And I lost like a loser. And you have to be a gracious loser. And it was a really good lesson because every once in a while I see that picture and I was like, I don't want to be that person. And so, you know, it takes, sometimes you just got to go through that to realize that's not the way to carry yourself. And that's the awesome thing about, I think people lose track that we've picked a hobby that is really difficult. You know, any Nordic skiers, talk to serious runners, you know, marathoners, ultras, whatever talk to rowers they get up crazy early like we're doing something where we want to excel outside of work and most you know we're both blessed to be coaches and so riding kind of is part of work but you know it's hard and it's we want to find success in this and that's why little wins need to be celebrated because it is so difficult and there's just most athletes are juggling a lot of different things and it's easy to forget that and only see the other person winning and that should just be motivating you know i think best buddies that's a motivation guys like legion look that those are phenomenal phenomenal teams my motivation is i would love if people like and damn that velo brew team they're pretty damn good too (laughs) you know so it's uh just keep going to bat and maybe we go and maybe we get totally squashed and maybe we're not in those guys league, but guess what? We're going to give them a run for the money. That's no, for, sure. Yeah, for sure. For so. sure. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. Man, Thanks. this is awesome. This is fun. So yeah, yeah really good to, questions. If anybody else wants to, uh, if they, if they enjoyed this or like this, you know, and want to hear us talk about other war stories or, or any other types of training, you know, definitely hit Brendan up and, they you know, do. I'd, I'd love to have a, a podcast of champions, you know, or something like that. So, yes.
keep it rolling. Uh, we'll put the, the, for people that don't know about the discord, it is sort of like a Slack. It is basically a forum that has a bunch of different threads on different topics. There are right now 300 athletes from around the world. So you will get very different opinions, which is goes to our cadence talk. No one's right. There's no one in there flexing. There's actually no flexing allowed. And it is is an awesome group of people that, I really like reading the questions and the answers that people come up with. And so I don't even, I comment a lot because I'm just like to throw in my two cents, but it's very, very different backgrounds and experience. And I think it keeps it really fresh. So we'll post that everybody should join. And that's all I got, man. Perfect, dude. Well, I appreciate your time and um, yeah, I'll catch up with you uh, sooner than later. Yes. Yes. All cool. right. Owen, all right, buddy. Take See care. Bye. Bye.